Hi there, Shelly Wade. Welcome to episode six of my All the Rage with Shelly Wade podcast. I hope you had a really wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. And um, today's episode is, um, <laughs> I can tell already it's going to be hard for me to get through this episode without crying. Today's episode is dedicated to my dad um, because it is a year ago today that I found out that he passed away. I mean, we're okay. I'm already crying. Okay. So let me turn this music off. This is a theme music for the podcast so far. I'm still trying to figure out if I like it or not, (laughs) but this is what I've been using, um, you know, since the podcast launched a week ago, um, today, but, uh, Still, I'm still on the fence on how I feel about it. I like it, but I'm not sure if I'll keep it as my theme music. Anyway, I'm not feeling all musical right now, so I'm going to turn it down. Um, in either case, um, yeah, today's episode is dedicated to my dad who passed away a year ago today. Wow, it's just so surreal that I still, um, you know, I, I still can't believe that we're saying that. Uh, the only thing that, that, that comforts me, sort of, and I don't know if you could even consider this a sense of comfort, is that I know that I join a club of, 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 of millions and millions of people who have lost loved ones. You know, I'm not the only one. That brings me comfort. Um, and, of course, I, I've lost people in my life before, you know, people who were friends, people who were mentors, people who were in my family. But this was the first time that my little family, you know, I have, you know, my mom and dad and my siblings and um, now my niece and nephews, our are, are little close-knit little unit um, has lost someone in, within our uh, our little unit. And um, so I, you know, listen, be patient with me. I'm going to be stammering through this entire thing. I don't even know what I'm about to say. I just know that today's episode had to be in honor of my dad. So to give you some background, um, you know, I'm, in case you don't know, um, I'm from Houston, Texas, uh, born and raised. My dad is actually from East Texas and he grew up on a farm. He is a country boy. You know, I grew up in the city. I don't know anything about growing up on a farm like my dad did. He used to always say stuff like, you know, we used to, you know, raise our own food and, you know, and I remember one time when I, when I had moved out of my parents' home, you know, got my own place and decided one night that I was going to visit my parents. Just one, you know, just off the top of my head decided it. And I'm that kind of person, uh, mind you. I don't plan a lot. Uh, you know, of course you have to plan some things in order to get things accomplished uh, and get things done and achieved. But generally, I'm the kind of person that likes to wake up and see where the day takes me. You know, I, it, it gives me a sense of freedom. I don't like the feeling of being tied down to too many details. I like to wake up and say, huh, what should I do today? I don't like to have every moment of my life planned out like that. Although my therapist, um, and you know, ironically, I started going to therapy um, uh, earlier this year. No, it was late last year, actually. It was December of um, last year. Um, I started going to therapy because I was struggling so much with my dad's passing, but um, I digress. So my therapist has been trying to get me to think of uh, think of planning and being organized in a different way. Shelly, it's not 
that it's something that's tying you down. It's something that's helping you to move forward and, and achieve even more than you've already achieved. Planning and, you know, being a little more disciplined. So I'm trying to, you know, think, flip the way I think about it, you know, reframe. That's one of my favorite words, reframe the way I think about it. And, you know, it's not tying me down. It's not making me feel shackled and not free. Um, you know, planning is, is beneficial to me, but I still do love the feeling of waking up and seeing where the day takes me and, you know, not planning out every moment. And, and, and it's even more exciting to me when I have gotten up and didn't plan something and something really amazing happened that day. I ended up doing this amazing thing and I didn't even plan it. That gives me such a high. But I digress again. Um, I go, Another thing to know about me, I go off on a lot of, of sidebars. And sometimes it's hard for me to remember how many sidebars I've gone off on. <laughs> Can I remember each sidebar and go back and, and tie that up in a, with a really pretty little bow? Anyway, um, so I decided to visit my family, you know, my parents, excuse me, when I moved away from home and I still lived in Houston and um, it was late at night. I'm probably like maybe nine or 10 something. And I roll up and the porch light is on, you know, because of course in Houston and Texas, we have porches <laughs> and the porch light is on and I get out of the car and I'm walking up, you know, sauntering up to the door and oh my God. I stop dead in my tracks because I see something that looks really horrifying to me on the porch. I don't know what the heck this thing is, but I have never seen it before and it's horrifying me. And I started screaming and I ran back to my car. And again, I'm a city girl, so I've never seen this thing, right? I ran back to my car and I get in the car and I start blowing the horn. So my dad comes to the door. And he's like, what's going on with you? I was like, daddy, what's that? What's that? And he's like, what's what? That that thing on the porch. And then so he comes out and he looks at the way. He's like, oh, that ain't nothing but a possum. We used to kill those and eat those <laughs> when I grew up on the farm. <laughs> I was like, what? It was like a big rat looking thing. Now, listen, I've heard of possums my whole life. I'm, you know, the term people are playing possum, of course, but I'd never seen one in person with my own two eyes. And it just like, a, it looked like a huge, scary rat to me. And it just looked gross. And it was sitting on the porch in the big city in Houston. And I was just like, mm-mm. So I didn't even get out of the car. I was like, daddy, tell mama I love her. I'm not coming out that thing is on the porch and so that's the kind of stuff my dad used to say oh that's a possum we used to kill those and eat those that kind of thing and so he he really grew up on a farm in east texas and as a matter of fact i think they you know because i i hadn't actually never been to my dad's hometown he moved to houston by the way when he was uh, 17 i mean it really was a really small town and he couldn't wait, you know, he was he was 17. He could not wait to get to the big city. I'm not quite sure why he didn't move to Dallas because he's always such a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. But I'm assuming that because a lot of his family lived in Houston. That's my assumption. I've heard the stories before, but I'm terrible with remembering stuff sometimes. But anyway, so 
he moved to Houston when he was 17 and never looked back. Um, and he went home sometimes, but he never, he didn't really take us home. I remember the one time um, my mom and younger sister did go to his hometown in East Texas with him. Um, <clears throat> my uncle, Uncle Roycey, had passed away and they were going to bury him at home Um in East Texas with the rest of the family. Um, but I worked at the time at an answering service and I was in college and they would not give me the day off. So I didn't get the opportunity to go to my dad's hometown with him. And he didn't take us. He, he wasn't like the kind of person's like, hey, let's go back to this hometown, you know, every year. I know some people do that. My, my dad didn't. Um, so that's one of the things I regret the most. I know people say things like no regret. I do really regret that I didn't get a chance to visit my dad's hometown with him while he was alive. Now, um, I did, I, was, I don't remember if it was early this year or late last year. I think it was earlier this year, probably in the springtime when I visited Houston. And I just said to my sister, I was like, you know what? I, I want to go to daddy's hometown. I was being drawn to it little town called St. Augustine, Texas. So we got into, you know, we got into a car and we drove out there with my niece, Erin. And, um, you know, it was, a, I wouldn't say it was a trek trek, but it was a ways out. Um, and <clears throat> the, the farther we got, the more I was like, wow, wow, this really is out in the middle of nowhere. And, I remember we turned on this, uh, I was driving, I was driving, um, this whole way there. And I remember we turned on, um, this road, which was going to be the road. It was a long road, but it was going to be the road that was going to lead to my dad's hometown. And I remember as soon as we started driving down that road, I just started crying so hard because in, in my head, I'm just thinking the whole time I'm driving, this was my dad. This was, he, 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 how many times did he drive down this street? How many times did he walk down this street? And so it was just a constant reminder that this was, you know, for me, um, in a way, I guess I could say hallowed ground because I knew my dad had uh, been there so many times and yet he wasn't there with me at that moment. And I just was overwhelmed with grief and sadness. And I so much so that I had to pull over because I could not drive anymore. I was hyperventilating and crying and I could not see clearly. And so my sister um, took over the driving I remember I got into the back seat and again, just looking at nature and, and oh my God, I looked up in this tree and there was a bald eagle in the tree. Again, I'm from Houston, the fourth largest city in the country. I have never grown up, um, you know, in, in the, you know, the kind of, you know, suburbs or, or um, rural area that my dad grew up in. I've never seen a bald eagle in person. So we passed this tree and there's a bald eagle sitting there in the tree I'm like what oh my god there's a bald eagle I was I was like oh my god this is where my dad grew up and see my dad turned 70 last year um and um he you know before he passed away he had reached his 70th birthday and again here's another sidebar one of the things I always regretted since his death was that he never visited me here in San Diego uh, he did visit me in New York and I'll tell you about that later but 
Um, he never visited me in San Diego, but we had plans to fly him. I had already bought his his plane ticket for his birthday to fly him here to visit me in San Diego so he could enjoy the beauty of Southern California. Uh, his plane ticket was bought and everything, but then um, like a um, couple of weeks uh, before uh, his, his uh, trip, we found out my niece, she was going to um, uh, school and she was graduating and was like, oh my God, this conflicts with daddy's trip. Let's postpone his trip and bring him out later in the year so that I can fly to Houston and be there for Aaron's graduation. So we did that. And I just kept saying the whole year, I'm going to, I need to reschedule daddy's trip. I need to reschedule daddy's trip. And then, of course, he died and I didn't get the opportunity. And again, that is one of those, um, you know, if I could share anything with you, one of those uh, reminders that life is short. We're not promised anything. Um, We're not promised the next second. So we should stop putting off Um, what we can do today. You know, I know that's a saying, you know, we hear all the time, but it's so true. I, you know, before my dad died, um, I heard that saying all the time. It didn't particularly, you know, I knew what it meant, but it didn't, it wasn't, you know, I just couldn't feel it the way I feel it now that I've lost my parent, right? And so since my dad passed away, I really have this sense of, you know, I can't you know, um, keep putting things off. I have to, you know, and I don't feel panicky about it, but I do feel this sense of, I really truly from the bottom of my heart, understand what people say, what they mean when they say, stop putting things off because we're not promised the next second. We're not promised the next second with this person. So if you're feeling something for someone you want to tell them you love them do that if you're you know I mean that's one thing I've always done I've always (laughs) and I think I've um influence the rest of my family to be that way because I've always been that way. I tell people that I love them and I never let, you know, a phone conversation end without saying I love you or I never leave you without saying I love you if you're a loved one. So um, that's not a regret I have, but I do regret that I never brought my dad to Southern California and so that he could experience the beauty that I experience on um, a daily basis. But I wanted to play something for you. Um, I, I'm an auditory person, right? I like, um, I relate to things via sound. Um, I think it's because I grew up singing and loving listening to music. And I think that I just love the sound. Like if someone walks into the studio right now and I don't see them, but they're saying something to me, I'm trying to figure out who they are just by listening to their voice. I really like to do that. So I was like, wait a minute, say something else before I look at them. It's like, okay, that's this person, right? So I'm an auditory person. When I was in school and I would study, I would record my um, study lessons and I would listen to them. And that's how I would retain the information. And so I'm very auditory. I like to listen to audio books. I like to listen to voice messages. And so my family members and friends that I really, truly love and cherish, I have all of their voices recorded because if they've left me a voice message, I am saving it. And I I guess for moments like this, when, you know, maybe I know I'm missing that person and I, I can't talk to them or a a sad moment like this where I know I'm never going to be able to talk to my dad again and at least have a, of course I can talk to him, you know, right now. And, you know, he's always with me. I know people are saying that to me all the time, but actually pick up the phone and hear his voice. And we're having a conversation about sports. That was those, you know, I, I listen, 
everything wasn't always rainbows and unicorns between my dad and I, right? Um, like any other <laughs> parent sibling, we clash, I mean, parent, like any other parent uh, kid, excuse me, we clashed. Uh, but not all the time, but we did. And, you know, I think because I was so much like my dad, we clashed because of that. Um, and, you know, you have disagreements. I mean, that's with any, any relationship. Um, but, one of the, one of the things I loved most about my conversations with my dad was that he was so passionate about talking about sports, and so I liked talking. I feel I feel like our best conversations were, were when we talked about sports with each other, and so I miss those conversations. But anyway, um, back to me recording um, my loved ones. My dad left me a voicemail. Um, this is like early 2013. Um, I still lived in New York at the time and I guess I didn't answer the line. And so he left me a message and this is uh, how it went. Let me tell you, he was, he sounded like he was sleepy at the time. It was so many years ago. I don't remember exactly the circumstances of the call, but he sounded like he was sleepy. So he's a little slurred in his uh, conversation and, and, but I will, uh, I will let you know what he's saying before I play it. He said, ain't nobody, but he always said that when he would leave a message, ain't nobody but me. You already know how much I love you. Just call in the holla at you a minute. We'll shout later. You have a lovely day. Love you. Bye. And here is the message. Ain't nobody but me. You already know how much I love you. Just call in, holla at you a minute. We'll shout later. Have a lovely day. Love you. Yeah, that's my dad. Um, you know, listen, as I was saying a few minutes ago, things were not always rainbows and unicorns between my dad and I. We clashed. I know uh, growing up, you know, I, well, more so when I became a young adult, because growing up, I, you know, he's my dad. He has to, you know, discipline me, you know, as far as, you know, telling me what I can and can't do. Um, but when I looked back on it, when I became a young adult, I was very bitter towards my dad because I felt like he was way too strict on me. He was way too strict. So, for example, in high school, when um, my best friend would want me to come and visit, sometimes my dad wouldn't want me to go because he felt like I was using that as a as a place to go and meet meet boys. He was like, I know you're just using that as a meeting place. But little did my dad know, um, when my parents told me not to do something, I actually didn't do it. <laughs> I was I was always that person. If my parents told me not to do something, I did not do it. I mean, I'm not saying I was Miss Goody Two Shoes, but certainly, you know, when my parents said something, it held weight to me. It meant something, and that you know, I had, you know, I felt like if they told me not to do something, I didn't do it, and so. He told me I, I couldn't date. I wasn't like going to use my best friend's place as a meeting place to meet guys. But he just was like he did not want me to get into trouble as a as a young girl, as a teen. And he was just very strict on me. I couldn't, you know, do a lot of things. And so when I became um, a young adult, I was I would look back on that and be very bitter towards my dad about that because I felt like it gave me a late start when it came to boys. <laughs> you know, I felt like, you know, there are people who are able to date boys when they're in school. And so therefore they don't have to do catching up. Like I felt like I had to do, you know, like little things like that. And when you, you know, as an adult, you look back on it now and you're like, Oh, that's silly for me to be upset with him about that. Cause he was just trying to protect me, you know? Um, but there were other things that we clashed about, but um, you know, those were, that was one of them. And, you know, again, 
when you lose a loved one, it just becomes so clear to you how much time we waste with silly stuff like that, you know, just silliness. Um, so I do look back uh, with regret on that, but I know my dad knew that I loved him. Um, but it's still, I still look back on, on things like that and feel like, wow, I just, sometimes you just waste too much time um, harping on the silly stuff when you just need to just create just really great memories, you know? Um, and so back to speaking of great memories, I told you I'd tell you the story of when my dad visited me in NYC. I lived in New York for, well, I lived, um, you know, I worked in New York for 12 years and my dad visited me one time. And I remember it was again for his birthday. And I remember asking him, daddy, what do you want to do when you get here? And I was kind of nervous about the trip because although, you know, I've, I've spent time with my dad alone, you know, I have three siblings. And so, um, you know, and, 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 I didn't do stuff with my dad alone all the time. Sometimes like if he would pick me up from school or take me to work, he and I would be alone together and we would talk. But generally I wasn't alone with my dad at, at, for long periods of time. And so when he was visiting me uh, as an adult in New York city, I was a little nervous, kind of like, what am I going to do to entertain him? What am I, but it turned out to be a really wonderful trip and there was nothing for me to be nervous about. And I know he told me the one thing he wanted to do was go to a, Yankees game and it turned out that my station at the time uh, in New York Z100 had tickets to the Yankees game on my dad's birthday and we had the best seats ever. A great view of Derek Jeter's butt. I'm sure my dad didn't appreciate that but I did. And the weather just turned out perfectly. I remember I went and bought him before he came to town. I went and bought him a really great, um, um, uh, God, I think it was a Jeter um, jersey and a nice coat. Uh, if you've ever seen, I've posted a picture of me and my dad at uh, Yankees game um, on social media before. If you want to go and scroll, do a bunch of scrolling down to find it. But we were both decked out in our Yankees gear. And I was really surprised because, again, my dad is the consummate Texan. He is the consummate guy from the south he would always call people from the north those yankees you know and so i was surprised that he was really all about going to a yankees game and he was like oh yeah i always love the yankees and so i was really excited that i was able to you know make that a wonderful experience for him we had the tickets we had the great seats and i even took instead of driving um to the stadium i took this thing this ferry called the the yankee clipper and and so we took the ferry and it stopped all along, you know, um, you know, and little stops along um, Manhattan and Jersey and, you know, and then it went from uh, the, the the Hudson River all the way down to under the under the Brooklyn and Manhattan and Williamsburg bridges and then under the Queens Bridge. And then it went up to the Bronx and took us right there to Yankee Stadium. We got off right there and, you know, walked down the street, you know, and, and you know, all the little shops that had all of the Yankee souvenirs and stuff. And then we went to the game and my dad just had a wonderful time. And then afterwards we got back on the ferry and, you know, took the ride. And I thought that doing the ferry ride gave him a really great um, understanding of the lay of the land, right? So you can be, you know, in a car and you're, you know, on the on the street or the highway and you're just not seeing it like you would see it when you're in the water. So it just really gave him a great uh, understanding of the lay of the land 
land in that area of, you know, Manhattan and New Jersey and Brooklyn and Queens and the Bronx, you know, so it was a really, really great and Roosevelt Island. <laughs> and so it was a really great experience um, for him. And he really enjoyed it. And while he was t- in town, I took him to uh, Sylvia's, you know, world famous Sylvia's soul food restaurant in Harlem. And he actually got to meet Sylvia herself, God rest her soul. Uh, but my dad got to meet her. We got a picture. I have a picture of me with my dad and Sylvia, but the guy who took the picture, he actually cut Sylvia's head out of the picture. But it was a great experience for my dad. He went to we went to B. Smith's um, to have a, actually on his birthday after the Yankees game. We went to B. Smith's. We went home and got you know showered and got all dressed up and went to dinner on restaurant restaurant row. Excuse me, right there on Forty Sixth Street. Memory search correct. Correct. I think restaurant row is right there on Forty Sixth West Forty Sixth between Ninth uh, and Eighth Ave. If I'm not mistaken. Or maybe eighth. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I've been away for five years now. Some my my memory's a little. But it was like between Broadway and and um. It was like was that ninth or ninth or I think it was between ninth and eighth and Broadway. Anyway. So we went there and we had dinner. B. Smith wasn't there. We went to B. Smith's, but her husband, Dan, was there. And my dad got to meet Dan and shake his hand. And uh, Dan gave him free dessert. And um, the picture I took of him that night, I still remember taking that picture. uh, Before he cut into the cake, I was like, wait, Daddy, let me get a picture. And so he looked up into the camera. My dad had this way of looking that was was kind of, I don't want to say sheepish, but he was, he was, my dad was a little naughty. He was a little. You know, he was a trash talker, which is one of the reasons I got a lot of people when they meet me and they hear me talk sports, they're really surprised that I'm such a trash talker. Well, I got that talent from my dad. And so he was funny. He was always the life of the party. And um, and so he looked up in the camera and you could see all of that from that picture. And it was that picture that we chose to use um, as the program, the picture um, on the program for his funeral services. And it just turned out to be the perfect picture. And I just remember every time. I look at his funeral program, I think about that moment where we were sitting in B. Smith's and he was about to eat his slices, free slice of cake from Dan himself. And um, I said, wait, daddy. And he looked up and I snapped that picture. And little did I know at the time when I was taking it that it was going to be, oh God, I'm about to cry. Little did I know at the time that when I was taking that picture, it would be the picture that would end up um, being on his, um, his funeral program. But anyway, it was good memories. He and I went to Virgil's in Times Square and ate some good barbecue because, you know, Texans, we love some good barbecue. And we sat there and he had a beer. I don't, you know, and and, and we watched, you know, whatever sports game. It was probably the Yankees on the TV. And um, we had some, that was his first night in town. And we had... um, some great barbecue, some great conversation, watching you know, sports, and right right outside of um, you know right at Times Square. So it was it was really really um, great memories. Yeah, really great memories. And um, one of the final things, you know, I can't tell you the whole story of my of my dad's life, you know, because we would be on this podcast forever. But one of the things I do want to share is, um, you know, um, shortly before my dad's death, you know, um, it was. Um, just my dad died just after the whole Hurricane Harvey um, fiasco in in Houston and and you know that area 
I remember last summer, you know, listen, this last year for me has been a doozy because um, last summer I had major surgery and I'll tell you about that another time. I talked about it a little bit on social media last year, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into deeper because I did have major surgery and at some point I'll share with you what that was about, but had major surgery and I ended up taking, I had to take off work uh, for medical leave for about three months. So it took me a while to heal from that. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm still, I'm still not quite 100% myself. You know, every day I feel like my body is different. One day I feel like I've lost weight. The next feel, next day I feel like I've gained. I'm, I feel like every day my body is different and I have not adjusted since that surgery. But then, um, you know, Hurricane Harvey happened and I'm still on medical leave when this when it's happening. And I am from afar looking at the horror of what's happening to my hometown of Houston uh, because of all the flooding from Hurricane Harvey. And I'm worried sick over my family turns out everyone was fine you know my sister and her family had to be evacuated but they went back to their home and everything was fine they had they didn't have any damage thank the lord because so many people uh, you know really just they just really lost a lot in that hurricane and it was for me I feel like it was a real miracle that no one in my family lost anything and that everyone was safe and okay but for me watching from afar I was horrified and the first chance I got to go home I got on a plane and I flew I just although they were okay I still needed to see them and touch them and hug them and you know just be around them because I was so horrified watching from afar uh, and just being afraid for them with Hurricane Harvey so I flew home and I remember my dad had been saying for the better part of a year that he wanted to get baptized, but he didn't want, you know, he wanted to rededicate his life to God and um, he didn't want to do it until I was in town. And I remember calling him and say, hey, daddy, I'm coming to town next weekend. Um, You know, I just want to see you guys after the hurricane. And he was like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to schedule my um, I'm going to schedule my baptism. And I was only scheduled to be in Houston for like two and a half days. It was going to be a really quick trip. And I remember thinking as much as I am all for my dad being baptized, I'm not going to be there for that long. Why is he scheduling a baptism for doing this? really short trip why can he do it like when I'm there for Thanksgiving or Christmas you know on a longer trip and so I was a little you know annoyed by it but at the same time you know being a person who believes in God and Jesus and such I I I was I was okay with it but I was a little annoyed that he chose that particular weekend to do it you know just being silly I'm just being honest with you I know that was silly of me but I'm just being real and telling you that's how I felt But so the baptism rolled around and I got to see the church that my dad had been going to. And because he talked to me about church every Sunday. And uh, so it was good to see that and meet uh, fellow members of his church family and and to watch him being baptized. And so I was really, you know, once it was over, I just remember saying, how silly was I being annoyed that he scheduled this for this trip? I'm so happy he did that. And I'm so happy that I was here to witness that. And can I tell you that now I am more grateful than ever because that was the last time I saw my dad alive. And so there was nothing that was, 
you know, there was no reason I had to go to Houston that weekend because I knew my family, everyone was okay. The hurricane happened and they survived, but something was pulling me. Something was like, you got to go and see them. And do you know that had I not gone, that I would not have seen my dad for the last time in person? And so I think about it, I'm so grateful that I went on that trip and that I was able to see him, um, see him being baptized. And then that October, he passed away and I found out about, and I'm, God, I don't, I don't, I found out about my dad's death on Facebook and not really. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go back just a little bit, just a beat. I wake up on a, I think it's a Sunday morning. And then I don't check my Facebook messages a lot because typically it's a lot of junk. A lot of people sending me junk mail or what are those things, those chain letters? Oh my God, that's so annoying. But anyway, um, sorry, I'm crying. Just hot mess right now. But anyway, um, so I don't check my Facebook messages a lot. But for some reason, I was on Facebook typing up some sort of, you know, comment or something I was thinking about that morning. And then all of a sudden the message signal popped up and I was like, oh, well, I guess I can see who this is. And it was someone saying that, okay, um, you know, my dad, my dad had had a stroke um, before I moved to uh, San Diego. It was, I was still living in New York at the time and I remember he had a stroke and, um, so he couldn't get around the way he was able to get around prior to that. And so um, his friend would pick him up every Sunday and take him to church. And so they tried to pick him up and then he was, he wasn't answering. And um, so, you know, I guess a person who knew them decided to message me on Facebook and say, Hey, can you check, you know, have someone go and check on your dad? Um, because he's not answering. And I remember immediately feeling horrified. I called my mom and, you know, my, my siblings and, you know, I said, Hey, can somebody go check up on daddy? Um, and, and so they, they did. And so while I'm waiting for word, I remember sitting back and thinking, Oh my God my dad may be dead. You know, I had called my dad, you know, sometime, you know, that weekend, uh, maybe Friday or Saturday, and he didn't answer. And I didn't think much about it because sometimes we don't answer, right? So I didn't think much about it. I just thought he'll call me back when he gets a chance, but he hadn't called me back yet. And then when I got this message from the lady on Facebook, then I was like, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I found out that my dad is possibly dead from a message on Facebook. I just did not want to hear about that in that way. And I'm very appreciative that she did reach out to me, but I just didn't want to hear that from Facebook. And so I'm sitting there, sitting in my apartment here in San Diego and just not knowing what's going on with my dad. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call daddy right now. And so I, I called him a couple of times and of course he didn't answer. And I am just becoming more horrified by the second. And then my mom called me and she said, he's gone. And I'm like, what do you mean? And my sister and my sister and my nephew had gone over 
and they he didn't answer, so they called the police, and they they broke in, and he he was dead. And I imagine how horrifying it must have been for my sister and my nephew to find that out that way and to be there and to see him. And uh, and then I just, when I got off the phone with my mom, I sat there. And of course I cried. I cried. I had already been crying before I found out because I just was horrified. And then... And then I sat there just alone in my apartment. And then it all of a sudden dawned on me that my dad can hear me now because he's no longer on earth. He's probably looking over me right now, watching over me right now. And I just yelled out, Daddy! (laughs) And then that's just, you know, and I was just... It was just all so surreal, you know, and anyone who's ever lost anyone, you know, you have to go through and and thank God for my younger sister. She is like our family and our rock and she's so together. She has everything together and she's, she just pulled all of the details together, even in her mourning and her grief, she was able to pull all the details together and to plan, you know, we all, you know, to, just all of the funeral service, you know, details and everything. And I wanted to do something from afar. So I, I was in charge of putting together his funeral uh, program. And so it was a collaborative effort from all of us. Um, You know, my sisters picked out his, um, what he was going to wear, you know, they went out and bought the suit, what he was going to wear in his casket. And it was a family effort for sure. Um, But it was very difficult. Anyone knows going through that. It's just so surreal, right? It's just like you're... And again, I know it happens to everyone, but it was just so... It was so hard. And uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it's just a... It was just a difficult situation. Um, But... One of the things we did, and my dad would love this, we kind of paid tribute to him and my coworker, Daniel, who's amazing. He was just sweet enough to design my dad. You know, I put together the plans for the program, but my my coworker, Daniel, here at iHeart San Diego, he actually designed my dad's program and he did it for me for free, just out of the kindness of his heart. And I owe him for life for coming coming to the rescue like that but we did we had this idea of putting like a special little tribute um in his program and only people who knew my dad really well would understand but it was like a it was a cross but then in there it was also the the star the Dallas Cowboys star because my dad I kid you not was one of the biggest diehard Cowboys fans ever but um there was a little, you know, a little secret star in there in the program too. And a lot of people, if they didn't know him like that, then, then they didn't, they didn't catch it. But then also the, the roses, uh, the funeral home, uh, made sure that the roses on my dad's casket were in Dallas Cowboys colors. So it was a tribute to him. You know, it was, I think he really would have loved that and appreciated that, you know, and one of the things I brought home with me, uh, here to San Diego from my dad 
I have his um, one of his Dallas Cowboys jerseys and I have a Dallas Cowboys cap and I wear it every now and then, you know, and I will watch. You know, I'm not the biggest football fan, but I watch games sometimes and I definitely watch Cowboys games sometimes because I know that if my dad would have been alive, he would have been watching it. So I feel like I have to honor, keep it alive for him, right? I'm from Houston. Most of my family members are Houston Texans fans, but sorry, keep sniffling. But my dad was always a diehard Cowboys fan. And um, so I feel like um, in honor of him, I have to, um, you know, wear that hat or that jersey sometimes or watch a game sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's that. I, I, you know, I think I, um, I think I've said, you know, I don't think I have any more to say other than we miss, we miss our dad and we loved him a lot and so appreciative to have him in our lives because I know a lot of people don't grow up with their dad I think my dad and my mom they did such a wonderful job raising me and my siblings um you know we're all you know if I should say so myself good people productive members of the community we all have good intentions for others for ourselves and others we come in contact with we don't have bad intentions for people and we try to just put goodness out into the universe and I think that all comes from the wonderful way my parents raised us you know we were we were never perfect but we all loved each other we never had much money but we all felt truly loved and so it wasn't we never felt like we went without and I just grew up in a household where I knew I was loved my dad worked hard and made sure we were taken care of (laughs) we had food to eat and we were clothed and just so appreciative to have had him in my life my entire life you know um so yeah, I, I am very appreciative of that. My dad, and I mentioned this earlier, he was the life of the party. And my mom, it's kind of like she can be the wallflower sometimes, right? And I feel like I'm the perfect mix of my family. And because I always sound so happy and, you know, and 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 and, and bubbly on air, and, and that is a part of my personality, but I am also sometimes very to myself. You know, like I can I I can communicate with people quite well. I can be a social butterfly too, because I feel like I'm the perfect mix of my parents. Sometimes I'm the party. I'm the person, the the life of the party. Sometimes I'm the wallflower. And I never know which one I'm going to be until I, I start the day. You know, I know like there have been a couple of occasions where I've gone to a party and it's like, uh, I just feel like um, this is not, you know, I'm going because I'm supporting this person. It's their birthday or some special event. And I'm, I just really don't feel like being here, but I'll go to support, support, support. And then I get there and I don't know what hits me. I don't know if it's like the threshold of the door or whatever, but I get in there and it, the par- it is on. And I often say when I arrive somewhere, I'm joking when I say it, but sometimes it's true when I arrive somewhere I go now the party can start (laughs) everybody everybody's like standing around doing whatever they're doing and I walk in I'm like now the party can start (laughs) and sometimes that is very true because that that night I am my dad you know that is my dad in me because he was he was a social butterfly he was the life of the party and you know I have been at parties before where everybody wants to come and dance with me because I am being my dad that day (laughs) or there are times where I'm just kind of sitting there just sipping on my drink just looking at what everybody's doing and that's when I'm being my mom so um, I'm, I'm the perfect mix of both of my parents and you know 
you know, I was um, at one point having, um, I know I said I didn't have much more to say, but I guess that's a lie. <laughs> I realized, hey, wait, there's more. But, um, you know, I, I think it was in December. That was when I started uh, therapy last December. And um, I, um, I had an episode so bad that night. I was crying so profusely. Um, thinking about my dad's death, that I was very worried about myself. I did not know whether I would survive. And so when I found myself crying uncontrollably that night in that way, I knew that I needed therapy. You know, I know it's, uh, some people don't really believe in therapy, but I believe in therapy. I know there are some people who are like, just go to church, pray to God, pray to Jesus. And listen, I, 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 I pray all the time, every day. I have an ongoing dialogue with God, but I think that God blesses us with the tools to to be better. And one of those tools is therapy. <laughs> so I don't think that therapy is, is, is like anything God would not want us to do. I think God gives us tools to better ourselves or to see insight. And that's one of those ways. And so I started therapy um, that next week because I was struggling so hard with my dad's death. And, you know, listen, it's when you go to therapy and you're really trying to do the hard work, because not only am I dealing with trying to, you know, understand and, and get through, you know, the fact that my dad is no longer here, but um, I'm also dealing with a lot of other issues that I have not confronted over my lifetime that I need to confront and grow from, right? And so when you do the hard, it, it is hard work, but I feel very proud of myself that I am doing that work. And I started doing that work. Um, it, it came out of necessity from uh, me going to therapy after my dad's death and my my therapist is trying to, you know, get in and get, give me the understanding that my dad is always here with me because that's one of the things that saddens me the most. Like I'll imagine him like when, when, <laughs> when this, as soon as it would, my sister would pick me up from the airport, um, you know, in Houston, when I would go home, she would take me to see my dad. And I just imagine, you know, like now I get off the plane and I can't go see him anymore. And it's very sad for me. Right. And so my therapist is really trying to hammer it into my head. Your dad is always with you and I get it but it still saddens me that physically I can't hug him anymore and I I still see him so clearly you know and hugging him in the way he would smile at me I see it so clearly and so she's trying to you know really really make me understand that my dad is always with me because he is half of me you know my mom is the other half they are always with me you know they're always with me and so um yeah I just wanted to just talk about my dad in honor of today's uh, year anniversary of his death. Rest in peace, daddy. Um, we love you and we miss you. All right. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't think I'm going to play my theme music again. I don't feel all music you right now. Let me see. Let me hear it. Let me turn it up. I guess I can play it. Okay, so that's my rage report. Uh, please, thank you so much, by the way, for for tuning in, for listening to me cry for all this long time. I appreciate you and reminiscing about my dad. It really was good uh, therapy for me and cathartic. Um, please do, um, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. 
You can find it on iHeartRadio. Open up the iHeartRadio app or go to iHeartRadio.com and under podcasts, search for All the Rage with Shelly Wade. So subscribe and follow and spread the word because these podcasts are not successful until we have a lot of subscribers. So spread the word. And I will talk to you tomorrow. All the Rage with Shelly Wade. Love you. Ain't nobody with me. Y'all already know how much I love you. I'll ask you a minute. Wish you out later. Have a lovely day. Love you. Bye.